0: I'm Cynthia James, and this network is about changing lives one woman at a time. Welcome to Women Awakening. I am your host, Cynthia James. I'm so grateful to be with you. I get the honor to bring to you amazing women that inspire me, that are change makers on the planet, and that are committed. To bringing wholeness and love to this planet. We are here every week. We're on Spotify and iTunes and YouTube. Just go and subscribe and come back and meet these amazing women because they will inspire you to take your next step into greatness. So, my guest today, I am so excited. This is a friend, someone that I Admire and I watch her, and I'm in awe. Her name is Deborah Poneman. And for over four decades, Deborah has been a best selling author, founder of Yes to Success Seminars, and has shared her system used by hundreds of thousands around the world to live not only success and abundance, but deep happiness and profound self love. So her clients, right, have used her formula to become mega successful entrepreneurs, renowned transformational leaders, New York Times best selling authors, millionaires, billionaires, and even household names. I just wanted you to take that in just for a moment, okay? She feels her greatest accomplishment is not just that she's helped so many uh, live their dreams, but she's helped them to see the truth of their own power and to create anything they can imagine and how to make their greatest contribution to a world That works for everyone. Deborah, welcome. Thank you. You know, I
1: do a lot of interviews, but I was so I woke up this morning, I get to be with Cynthia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am so thrilled. I am. I have a lot of things I want to ask you. But first, I just want to start by you telling us where you came from, you know, so that women start to understand that we all start in places and we grow from there. So how did you grow up? Well, actually,
1: just to be completely real, I had one of those kind of storybook childhoods. I really, I know, it's like, actually, my my former husband said I should write a book that says, even though my childhood didn't suck, I could still be a transformational leader. (laughs) (laughs) He was a very funny guy. He's still my really good friend, but I really did. I had, you know, my parents were two of the kindest people I know, the most generous people I know, and I watched how they lived their lives. I'll tell you something. They were very, very quiet. They never tooted their own horns, but one of my favorite experiences in my life was when my father passed away, and all of these people who we didn't know showed up at his memorial, And which is actually in the Jewish tradition. You do what's called sitting shiva, and you do it in your home. And we said, oh, welcome. And they said, oh, yes, I knew your father. And one by one, they stood up and they shared these stories of things that my father, like one young man said he had been incarcerated. My father owned a corner drugstore. He had been incarcerated and nobody would hire him. This was back in the 1950s. And um, but my dad gave him a job and my dad said that he believed in him. And in order to prove that, that the trust was put, you know, in the right place, he became one of the most, we knew who he was, because he was one of the most successful restaurant owners in the in this area in Chicago. And we're like, and he said, it was because my dad we didn't even know, or this one person came and said that his daughter had lost all of her hair when she was 10, and they could only afford like a $10 wig. And she was always teased by the children. And they were customers, my dad, and they said, my dad went out and bought her the, the best wig for a 10 year old, and it completely changed her life. He never told us those things that he did. It was the first time we heard it was at his memorial. So I think that the most glorious part of my childhood, was that I had role models of people who did their alms in secret, not to have the praise of men, but to have the glory of God who is in heaven. And um, and they had very, not flashy lives, we were very middle class, but very, very happy lives. And um, and then as I got older, you know, that I became a, a teacher of meditation when I was eight, uh, 19. I went to become a teacher of transcendental meditation because I so, you know, this was the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. I so wanted to contribute to a world that worked for everyone. It was during the Vietnam War and all that. And I thought, well, the one thing that I could do is teach people how to have silence on the inside because there was so much noise on the outside. Like now, I still teach meditation uh, 50. Actually, this a year is going to be my 50th anniversary of becoming a meditation teacher. And um, and I still teach it because I think it's so important that we have inner silence to counteract the um, really very loud noise on our planet right now.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, as you were talking about your father, you know, He wasn't, you know, sharing everything that he was doing, but look what got transmitted. Look at what got transmitted to you to be a humanitarian, to be a person who believes in people, who nurtures people. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I know your story some, I want to talk about your love for young people and inviting people into your home, young people that you could nurture to to different spaces. It, It just touches my heart.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think you were probably at my birthday celebration, because that's where it all came out. Because, again, I didn't, what happened was that um, my son, um, he loved basketball. He loved basketball from the time that he was a toddler. And uh, he always wanted to do something in the world of basketball. I wasn't one of those mothers who would discourage my children and squash their dreams. I was never the discouragement committee. If they had a dream, I know that that dream was given to them by God, by the God of their understanding. And they wouldn't have that dream if it wasn't something that needed to be nurtured. So I, and now he stopped growing when he was about 5'10 <laughs> and he knew he was never going to go into the NBA. But um, he found a way to still uh, nurture his love of basketball by founding a nonprofit when he was 15. You know the story that he started putting, because the kids in the south and west sides of Chicago could not afford $250 to be in a, in a basketball showcase to be seen by coaches that might give them a scholarship. They couldn't afford the entry fee. So my son at the age of 15 Started a nonprofit where he would collect money and put on free showcases. I collect money mostly from my friends, and he would. And he started putting on these showcases. And to date, he's now um, generated over sixty million dollars in college scholarship money. Did you know that for kids? <laughs> Yes. For kids in Chicago. And, um, but what would happen is that he would go and he would also make films of the kids that were playing and um, send them off to colleges. I mean, even people like Anthony Davis, who, you know, was kind of a household name in the world of basketball, he that was one of the people that, um, that Daniel uh, gave his start to, <laughs> you can now Google kid who discovered Anthony Davis, but um But basically what happened is sometimes he would come home and he'd say, mom, you know, that kid I was telling you about, he's living in the street. You know, that kid I was telling you about, he's living on the L train. You know, that kid I was telling you about his, you know, grandma just threw him out. So they would come and live with me, with (laughs) with us. And um, at any given time, we always had, you know, at least one, usually two or three kids living with us. But, you know, people I say, oh, my gosh, that's so wonderful of you. I guess it is, but it made me so happy. I love, I love tall boys <laughs> and I looked like a shrimp, you know, they're all like six, seven, cause they're basketball players. Right. Nice. And, um, and it, they all called me ma and I loved it, you know, making them big, gigantic breakfasts. <laughs> I had to, I had to get a second refrigerator cause these boys. <laughs> <have good nights. laughs> and, um, in some of them, I'm still, I'm still their mom, you know, I mean, they they had tough lives a lot of them lost their parents or um didn't know their dads didn't know their moms but so it's it's just a joy so it's not like I'm any kind of you know hero or or altruistic person. We only do what we love to do. You, you know, Cynthia, I also go down and I do work in Haiti. We've built five schools in Haiti through the nonprofit that I work with, aid still required. And um people say, oh, you go to Haiti, you're so wonderful. I love going to Haiti. I mean it's been a heartbreaking I haven't gone there for the last few years because of the you know collapse of the government and the and the gangs ruling um really ruling the country and all of that. And COVID. <laughs> and COVID on top of it, and then a, a hurricane, then a uh, another uh, earthquake followed by a hurricane where two of our schools are in Lakai. And, um, but people say, oh, you're so wonderful. Actually, I'm not that wonderful. I, it's just, I would rather go down and be with my friends in Haiti. You know, we also do. Um, literacy training. The greatest joy in my life is when I see somebody who couldn't even write their name a few years ago and now they are assistant teachers in our programs. I mean would I rather do that or go skiing or, you know, play bridge. So it's just, and there's nothing wrong with skiing or bridge, but I just do what makes me happy.
0: Well yeah and and I'm watching your face light up. I'm I'm watching that. But I want to I go just a little bit deeper here because, yes, I, I get that it makes you happy and brings you joy, but it, it has to do with what you teach, too, with that, that love. Love is the foundation for everything. And I think at the basic core of all of us, love exists. And when we tap into that, we get joy in supporting others, nurturing others, lifting others up, you know, what we are watching going on supporting refugees from Ukraine, from all over Europe, is love in action. And so I'm just so, I'm honored to know you, and I, and I love that you model what you teach. Well,
1: you know, it's interesting. Again, it's like a lot of people are very sunk and very depressed right now about what's going on and the way to get yourself out of the depression is to contribute because when you contribute then it's been scientifically proven they did research at the National Institutes of Health that when you contribute it increases your oxytocin which yeah. is the feel good hormone it decreases your cortisol which is the stress hormone if you're feeling stress go out and volunteer you know what they found in this research at the National Institute of Health is that not only did doing acts of kindness contributing um, increase oxytocin and, and decrease cortisol, but even when you watch somebody else do a random act of kindness, it does the same. So I say to people, if you want to be a contribution right now to a collective energy of harmony, of love, stop watching the news. I mean, just watch enough so you know that you're not completely out of touch and start watching those programs or reading the news. There's so many of these news channels where they give good news, like CNN's Good Things, or um, there's a magazine called Yes Magazine. There are so many um, news outlets online that share the good news. In the, by doing that, you're contributing more to a world that works because when you increase your happiness, you radiate that happiness. If everybody is sunk and everybody is depressed, that's what's going to be radiating. And yes, we want to help the people in the Ukraine. Um, I it, One of the things that i I love is making reservations at the Airbnbs that these people own and then go, oh, oops, I can't come, you know, because they're in the Ukraine. But then the money goes directly to the people, right? Some people say, oh, I bought a T-shirt that said I support Ukraine. If they're sending you a T-shirt, they are not in the Ukraine right That's now. That's right. Because <laughs> they're out busy fighting a war. You know? Exactly. Oh. So, but when you do something like that, even if you go on Etsy and you buy like um, maybe uh what do you call the knitting pattern or template? You know that if it could be delivered through the um, uh, internet, then it probably the money is going to the people. But when you do something like that, you feel so good about yourself, right? Yeah, and then it decreases the depression, it decreases the anxiety, it decreases the unhappiness and your joy spreads. And that's something that you could do for the world. And it doesn't take much time or effort.
0: Right. And I can see that and feel that in you. Yeah. I want to know what is yes to success seminars? (laughs) What is that? And who does it serve? Okay.
1: Well, um, in 19, remember, I told you that I became a meditation teacher in the decade of the 70s. I taught TM pretty much full time. I was actually an administrator at Maharishi International University in Fairfield, Iowa director of admissions. and um, But then because it's a nonprofit, we didn't get more than like a little bit of stipend. And I realized that I actually needed some money. Um, I was pushing the big 3-0. I thought, well, woman does not live by mantra alone. And I needed to have things like health insurance and car insurance and maybe a car to insure. And um, I thought, okay, where can I go to make a lot of money fast? LA. Because if you look, watch the movies, everybody in LA was rich, right? They all lived in Beverly Hills. So I really did. I picked up my life from Fairfield, Iowa, moved to LA, and I started selling investments because I knew people who had made a lot of money selling investments. Well, I was a dismal failure. I never sold one except to my dear father who bought one. <laughs> some interest in an well because he felt so sorry for me. But you know that expression, we make plans and God laughs. Well, God had a big laugh over me thinking I was going to go to LA to make a lot of money by selling investments. But one night, one of my colleagues invited me to a seminar at the Learning Annex, and it was on the law of attraction. And this was 1980, right? Decades before the secret made the law of attraction kind of a household concept. And I was so mesmerized by what this gentleman was saying. He was saying how our thoughts have the power to create a reality. He was saying that we're like tuning forks and a tuning fork that's vibrating in an F sharp cannot draw into itself a B flat. It repels the B flat. So he said, if you're always talking about how poor you are or you'll never get out of debt and, and, or I'll never find my soulmate. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too whatever it is you are pushing or you're only vibrating with no soulmate, with no prosperity, with no success. So when the success wants to come into your aura or the soulmate wants to come into your life, you just repel it. And I'm like, Oh my, it made so much sense. Everything that he was saying and that I went home and I started studying the great masters of success and prosperity, like Napoleon Hill wow. and Wallace Waddles and Emmett Fox, you know, century, you know, from early in the, in the 20th century. But I realized that there was a science to creating success. And after I studied all of those great masters, I decided I was going to start my own company where I was going to modernize some of the, not change the techniques, but use more modern terms so that it could speak to the listening of the people in the the 1980s. And I started my Yes to Success seminar, and it's all about shifting your inside so that you're a match for everything that you want. It's about creating inner silence, which I believe meditation is the base to but learning energetic techniques. So you're an energetic match for everything that you want in life. And, and as you know, oh, many of our dear friends who are now mega successful entrepreneurs, New York Times bestselling authors, I mean, I can name drop a little just because it's kind of crazy that Marcy Shimoff, she was my personal assistant in the 1980s. You know, she gave, she left college to come and work for me. Janet Atwood, founder of the Passion Test, was not only also one of my uh, personal assistants, but I gave her her first stage. Her first talk was at Yes to Success. Deepak Chopra took Yes to Success numerous times, and um, and they all say that the techniques that they learned were the basis to their own mega success. And I'll say one other thing, and that is if you're thinking, well, I heard heard of all of them, but I've never heard of you. Who's Deborah Poneman? Well, it's because I am a product of my product. And one of the things that I teach is to follow your heart and not your mind because your mind is filled with lies that were told to you when you were a little kid about not being smart enough or pretty enough or the right color or the right um, gender or the right sexual orientation. And all of those things are lies. But when we depend on our minds, we filter everything we decide through those lies. I say, move your attention to your heart. And when my little girl was born in 1988, My heart said, give up your career. My heart said, stay home with your baby. So um, I stayed home with my baby for 21 years. (laughs) And uh, her her brother, who was born three years later. And again, people always say, oh, you gave up your career. And I did. I was actually about to have my own daytime TV talk show. And my book was in the hands of two New York publishers who both wanted it. But I gave up nothing because every. Everybody is put on earth for a purpose. You love what you love for a reason. You have the skills that you have for a reason. I've always been a talker. I've always been a writer. And I knew that if I took out time to be a full-time mom at home, what I was put on earth to do was not going to go away. So exactly. Right. So if you take time to a year to hold your mother's hand while she's making her transition, if you take a couple years to go to you know Uganda and hold AIDS babies or to work on a political campaign, not only is your dharma, that's a Sanskrit term for what you were put on earth to do, not only is your dharma not going to go away, it's going to become stronger. And I'll tell you something really funny, Cynthia. I came back with a bang and I, my my first launch, which was your year of miracles with Marcy, because if you treat people as the most important person in the world, which is how the person standing in front of you always deserves to be treated, never do that thing where you look around the room to see if there's somebody more important to talk to, I Always I learned that and I I learned that from my parents and I always practiced it. And when I was ready to come back, those people who I had treated as the most important person in the world, world before my kids were born and I gave them their first stage, they were there to give me my first stage when I came back on the other side. Janet Atwood got my first speaking engagement with Ray Blanchard, by the way, another friend of ours, and um, for his, uh, I, can't, I can't, it wasn't called Ultimate Summit, but some kind of summit. And then Marcy invited me to um, found Your Year of Miracles with her, which was my greatest joy for five years teaching that before I realized that I want to go back to teaching Yes to Success. Your Miracles, an amazing program. All that happened because I listened to my own inner voice, which said, give it up and be a mom at home. I had a husband who made it a nice living, so I didn't have to work. Right. And then when I came out on the other side, my friends remembered what I had done for them. They wanted to do the same for me. And my Dharma certainly had not gone away.
0: Well, I love what you're saying because, you know, there's been an old lie that women are in competition And and the truth is, is that we are extraordinary collaborators. We are extraordinary nurturers. And and what I have witnessed as I have been growing in in my life and in my business is that women put the hand out and say, come along. Women put the hand out and say, I see you. Women open the doors that we can step through. And so I just, I love that, that, first of all, you were so clear that you cannot lose your destiny. You cannot lose your purpose, and so I, I I love that. And I anybody listening to this, what I want you to know is what she just said is profound. I hope you'll go back and listen. That that when you are loving and you are giving and you are standing fully present with someone, it will come back in ways you could never imagine. So I I I want to know how people find you. <laughs> Well,
1: it's my company is called Yes to Success, and that's where I am. I I um, teach my Yes to Success seminar. I also teach a seminar called Ageless, which is anti aging for your brain, your body, and your future. When I hit the big seven zero, I people are like you are seventy. I'm like. Yeah, maybe I could teach you how to. um, Yeah, because you're looking good, girl. (laughs) Right? How to turn back the hands of time. So I collaborate with uh, a Harvard trained um, mind body expert who has done research in anti aging. We were actually um, students together in the 70s. And um, so we put together this amazing course called Ageless. And it's also mainly for your brain. You know, people, you do not have to succumb to. What did I come in this room for syndrome, which we think we do? Uh-uh. That's because you're causing brain inflammation and we'll tell you how not to. So it's all there at yes 2 success.com.
0: Okay, ladies, I, I hope you will write that down and go and visit Deborah. You can tell by her enthusiasm and her energy, how powerful she is and what an extraordinary teacher she is and that she loves to impart her gifts. So uh, I hope you will go visit. So I asked the same last question of every, every guest. This show is called Women Awakening. What do you think is the one thing, the most important thing women need to know about the importance of their awakening?
1: I got it. What I want you to know is that you're already awake or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. You'd be out, you know, having a beer and eating some wings, but you're not, you're here to listening to a podcast called women awakening, because that's who you are. And the only thing that I would say is now go out and act like it because the world needs your gift and the world needs your gift now. Damn the torpedoes. Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you. We stop ourselves from doing what we know we need to do on this planet because we think that we might quote unquote fail. No such thing as failure, just ways not to do a thing. We think we're going to fail. What would so-and-so think? I got to break the news to you. They're not thinking about you. (laughs) they're they're too busy worrying about what other people are thinking about them yet we stop ourselves from doing what we're put on earth to do just in case maybe somebody's watching and we might you know not succeed really the world needs your gift and there's no time to waste
0: oh deborah thank you so much um I'm so honored to walk this path with you, to know you, to call you friend and to be a witness to um, the evolution of your greatness. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So ladies, I'm gonna tell you the same thing I tell you every week. You are a masterpiece in the making. You are dynamic, powerful. You are unrepeatable. You are so unique that the universe loved you so much it breathed its life into you to come here at this moment in time on this planet. So you have no time to play small, to run, to hide. This is your time to stand up and step up. I'm honored to do this with you. Please come back and meet the the ladies that I interview and know that we are all holding for you your yes to success. Peace and blessings.